everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hey, good morning, church. It's great to have you in the house, so I welcome you here and welcome uh, those who are live streaming and even those who are going to on-demand the service later on or at a different time. Uh, We know that the Lord's got us all gathered together. Quick note, that was not Andy Morrison, our college ministries director. That was Nathan Richards, our director of family ministries, and he's awesome, although it would be awesome to be Andy Morrison. Anybody know Andy Morrison? You know, it's, it'd be awesome to be this big, you know, Scottish guy with this big red beard who plays rugby. I mean, that'd be awesome, right? But we love Nathan and wanted you to know who he is up here uh, leading us in worship. So friends, we are telling the beautiful story and we're continuing in this series. I encourage you to open your Bibles. I encourage you at home to get your Bibles open on your lap. And let's look at John 20 together. And as we, as we open up to John 20, uh, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for us to read this and not get it at all. Even for us to kind of intellectually absorb it but not understand or trust it in a way, Lord, that changes our lives. So we ask you, shape us by your living word. Send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts to receive your living word. We'd walk away changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John 20 now, 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. Feels like Easter, doesn't it? First Christmas, now Easter. If you're thinking, hmm, why is Tim getting all these important holidays out of the way? You're on to me. I'm taking 2021 off. I'm taking the whole thing off. It, tur- it turns out that if you pastor 2020, it's this rare thing, but it counts for two years of pastoral ministry. So I, I, once I'm done, we're, we're out. We're out. Uh, no, that's not it. That's not it. 
We are, uh, we're telling the beautiful story, the story of all things. The story of all things. And these are the critical moments. These are the key linchpin parts of the story, you know? This is the stuff that counts. A beautiful God made a beautiful world and put beautiful people in it, but all that beauty was threatened and marred and sullied by our selfishness and sin. So God, though, he didn't give up on us. He's too invested in what he had made. He's too invested in us. He's too invested in beauty to walk away from it and let it go to waste. So what did he do? He made a beautiful promise. He sustained us with beautiful hope. In the fullness of time, he sent his son to be our beautiful savior. And last week, we saw that day when beauty was broken, when ugliness won, when Jesus, the son of God, died on the cross for us. But he didn't stay dead. If Jesus had stayed dead, I want you to, that would be a good story, right? God made a world. The world turned away from him and it caused all this destruction and pain and sickness. And, and, and then God said, well, there's, there's a cost to all of that. And so I'm gonna send my son. My son's gonna pay that cost. And then he sent his son. His son paid the cost. And now everything is all paid up. It's all even and it's all squared, Right? That would be, that'd be a good story for merciful God. But it wouldn't be a beautiful story. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus rose again. Jesus walked out of that tomb and he saw his friends and he ascended to God the Father in the heavenly places. Jesus, in his, in his humanity now, in his humanity, he went, he went into the, the heavenly places with God and marked a commitment that now all who would follow Jesus, all who would call on his name, because Jesus, in his humanity, he's gone up, he's gone to that forward place, you see? And so now God has made a commitment in raising Jesus from the dead that all who call on his name, that all who follow in him will enter into eternal life eternal citizenship with God, the eternal kingdom. That's not just a good story. That's a beautiful story. Death doesn't win. Ugliness doesn't get the last word. Beauty defeats death. Jesus defeats death and begins in that moment the restoration of of beauty. What we want to talk about this morning is beauty restored. And all of that restoration of all of that beauty starts right here with Mary Magdalene. Mary, she's a friend of Jesus. Jesus changed her life. And, and she was there when Jesus died. And, and, and if you know the story, you know, Jesus, she's, she's come now. She's come to the tomb on Sunday morning before sunrise to take care of Jesus' body, to anoint his body with oil and spices, stuff that she couldn't do on Friday night because Friday night, Jesus died on the cross. They had to quickly bury his body because the Sabbath was coming when you do no work. So now she's coming on Sunday morning to finish just that work of taking care of her friend's dead body. And when she got there, she saw the tomb was blown open. She looked inside and saw nothing was in there. So she ran, she told the disciples. The disciples ran and they looked and they saw. And then what did they do? They went back home. But here's Mary. 
She's still there, just standing there, just staring into that empty tomb. She can't move. She's weeping. She's dejected. She's hopeless. She's... See, this is... is This is when your energy is sapped. This is when it seems like all is lost. This is that depressed state. This is that hopeless stage, you see. This is that that darkness wins moment where you kind of start to believe it. And she's staring down into that grave. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, some things you can only see through the weeping, some things, friends, you can only see through that pain. She saw two angels there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head the other at the foot. They asked her this question. Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. Woman, why are you crying? Woman, why are you crying? Why is she crying? She's crying because she knows what she knows. Jesus is dead. Hope is lost. Beauty is broken. Ugliness wins. Evil takes the day. Jesus is dead, and his body isn't even here. His body isn't even, I don't even get the comfort of mourning and caring for his body, the grief process. I don't even get that they took his body away. Woman, why are you crying? She's crying because, listen, she knows what she knows, okay? And it's this big. She knows death wins. She knows darkness wins. She knows hope is lost. Why are you crying? Because she knows what she knows. Verse 14, at this she turned around and saw who? Jesus. (laughs) Standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, say it with me, woman, Why are you crying? Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. What does she think? Like, I'll just go, is she gonna carry Jesus' body wherever it is? And she's just, She's trying to get help. Would you please help me? Why are you crying? Because I know what I know and can you help me out of this? What's going on? How can I put it back together? But she did not realize who she was talking to. She did not realize that it was Jesus. Friends, listen to me now. The gospel, 
The Christian message, the gospel, the gospel is not a set of beliefs to adopt or a philosophy of life to try on, a path to walk. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is not a moral path to resolve to walk upon. What is the gospel? The gospel is news. It's news of an event. It's a proclamation of something that's happened. It is news of what God has done. But it's not only news. It's not only news. It's news that when you believe it, when you realize it, it changes your life forever. The gospel is news has power to change your life. Mary, see, she has some realizing to do. She, she did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus repeats that same question of the angels. Woman, why are you crying? Why? But then he digs deeper because Jesus knows that Mary, she's got some realizing to do. She's got some knowledge to gain. She's got some understanding that has to go deeper than it's gone before. And so he asks a second question. Who is it that you're looking for? And the irony is is that she's, she's looking at who she's looking for, right? Jesus is right in front of her. How often is Jesus right in front of us? and us without eyes to see. Then look at this, verse 16. Jesus said to her, say it with me, Mary. Just one word. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Now, actually, it means teacher. Actually, it means my teacher. Rabboni, it's a a personal possessive. It means mine. She cries out to him, my teacher. Listen to me. When you don't know who you are, Jesus does. We're in an age of of identity exploration. We're in an age of this pressure to figure out who you are, to to name your identity and to to set it up and to put it out there and to defend it. Like this is who I am. This is what I stand for. These are my convictions. This is my personal contribution to the world. This is my platform and I'm gonna put my identity on it and I'm gonna defend my identity. And we're pressuring, even our kids, we're pressuring our kids to come up with their identity and defend it to the world. And in the middle of all of that, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. When you get lost, when you get confused, when you forget who you are, Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are. You can clap for Jesus. That's okay. That's okay. See, who you are Who you are is found in your relationship with Christ. What does he say? He he says to her one word. What is it? Mary. That's her name. And in hearing her name in the mouth of Jesus, suddenly she's transferred. Suddenly her life has changed. 
Suddenly she moves, she's translated from this, this place of, of despair, anxiety, bent over, crying, looking at emptiness. She's transferred into Jesus, into a relationship with Christ, into joy and life and eternal hope and everlasting kingdom. She's changed again. She remembers who she is. She's married. And as soon as she hears that word, what does she say? Rabboni. My teacher, my savior, my Lord, my Jesus. And she's home again. I want you to catch something in this passage that kind of blows me away. Look at verse 16 here. Mary, in verse 16, she, she turned toward him. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him. What's weird about that? What's weird about that is is not verse 16. What's weird about it is verse 14. Why? Because at verse 14, at this she turned around and saw Jesus. In fact, I mean, I've, wrestled, I've studied this. Like, what's going on here? In fact, in verse 14, it's very clear. It says in the Greek, she, she turned to her backside. Like, she turned her body around. She turned 180 degrees. She's facing Jesus. And then 16, she turned toward him. What do you mean? She's already facing him. She's face to face with Jesus, but she turned toward him. Are you getting it? There's a second turning in the life of Mary. There's a second turning. It's not about her body. It's not about what she sees with her eyes. It's not about what she knows. It's a second turning where she sets aside the things that she's so confident of, the things that she knows for sure. She sets those aside and she turns her heart to Jesus to believe maybe something more, maybe something beyond, maybe something past what I have what I have gotten myself boxed into. Woman, why are you crying? She has a second turning to Jesus, a turning of the heart, turning of the mind, turning of the soul, and suddenly she sees. Rabboni, my Lord, my teacher, my guide. She's not lost anymore. She's not boxed in anymore. She's got Jesus. She knows who she is and she knows her Savior, her guide, her Lord. Second turning. And she's home again. Now after this turning, the first one and the second one, here's what happens. Mary she, she, she does one of two things. She, she either, it doesn't tell us exactly. She either grabs Jesus like this, like, and mauls him, right? Or she throws herself down on his feet and grabs onto his ankles. We know that. We know that, not because of what, what's in there, but because of what Jesus says next. What does he say? He says, lay off, right? A little much. That's not exactly the translate. Here we go. Verse Verse 17. Uh, hey, lay off. No, no, not that was a, Verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead and tell my brothers and tell them, tell, the, tell that group that came over here saw an empty tomb and went back home. Right, are you with me? And you go and tell the, my brothers, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Let go of me, he says. This body is headed somewhere. The body ascends. This is Jesus in his humanity, his human body ascends into that, that 
up there, out there, future place, okay, into that heavenly realm. Jesus ascends in his body, in his humanity. This is, someday I'm gonna have to preach a whole sermon series on John 20. Because what we're getting at now is we're getting at the ascension. And Pastor Michael's gonna talk about it a little bit next week. But this is, there's huge implications here for what God is committing to do, for how God is committing to restore all things, to bring all beauty back. Jesus, in his body, he's ascended into that up there, out there, future place where we can follow. What, what God is doing is he's saying, if, if Jesus is raised from the dead and he ascends into heaven, then the commitment God is making is that all who call on his name, all who hide themselves in him by faith, all who hang on to Jesus and cling to him as their savior, their Lord, Rabboni, they will be carried on into that place where he has gone. If he came as one of us and if he died as one of us and if he rose again as one of us and if he now goes into that future place as one of us we get to go there with them amen and God's promise God's commitment is sealed and certain then what what does Jesus do next he tells Mary you better go and tell you better go and you better go and preach those my brothers they came and they looked at an empty tomb and they went home well what's with these guys right he says Mary You go and proclaim, you go and tell what you've seen here. The Lord has risen from the grave. And you know what? He he didn't have to tell her to do that. How do I know he didn't have to tell her? Because Jesus goes, that's the next thing Jesus does, is he goes and tells those very people. But Jesus wanted her to go and put it on her lips. Jesus wants all of us to learn to put it on our lips. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. She preached the, she preached the gospel. Friends, the gospel is not a path of moral behavior. It's not a philosophy of life to try on. The gospel is news. It's news of an event. It's what God has done for us, not what we might do for God. And it is news which, when believed, when realized, changes your life, transfers you from a kingdom of everlasting darkness, destruction, hopelessness, into a kingdom of light and life and endless hope. Gospel news. See, it matters what you think about that. It matters what you believe. Because it doesn't, it doesn't just matter what Jesus did, but that what Jesus did matters to you. So it's resurrection day. It's empty tomb day. It's Easter. Happy Easter. Jesus is risen. Amen. Anybody have one of those Cadbury eggs? I'm ready. I eat one a year, right? One a year. That's all I can handle. It's Easter day. It's resurrection day. It's the Lord's day. And beauty is restored. I want to give you this illustration. Imagine that you owned a, uh, uh, like a, an awesome piece of artwork, like a Monet or a Rembrandt or, um, or a Simpich. Come on. Anybody know about the Simpich? Yeah. And... 
and you value this. You know, we had a few years ago, we had a Rembrandt sketch here in the house, and I was so, like, I couldn't sleep. I felt like I was guarding the queen's jewels. It was so, it was like, whoa, these things are so treasured. So imagine you had this, this treasure, or imagine you found it. You found it in your attic or in a house somewhere, and and it gotten damaged. It had gotten muddied. It uh, had, had mud and grime and dust and was fraying at the edges. But you knew what it was. What would you do with that thing? Would you look at it and toss it out? No way. You would carefully, lovingly, painstakingly do whatever you could to restore the beauty, wouldn't you? Have you ever seen these restorationists who take these old pieces of, and they're like one Q-tip? That's enough of that Q-tip, right? It's just like one little thing and then I'm done with that and then one little scrape and then, then they're, they're carefully going each little bit just to restore. It might take years. It might take years. But, but the beauty's gonna be restored. That's how God sees you. You are made a masterpiece in the image of God with all of your, all of your individualism, all of your, your beauty, the image of God within you. And, and, you know, there's also some problems, right? I mean, can we admit that? And so we think, okay, I've got this image of God, I've got this beauty within me. How is all that beauty gonna be restored? Well, follow me now. People will tell you there's two paths. The, the religious moralist will tell you, oh yeah, you can get all that beauty restored. Here's what you need to do. You need to obey every rule all the time. You need to do it right. And if you're not feeling the beauty coming back, you need to try harder because you need to restore your beauty by obeying the rules. And then on the other side, you've got, you've got relativists who don't like to draw hard lines around anything. What are they gonna say? They're gonna say, look, uh, yeah, the beauty's there and it's marred and it's sullied and it's dirty and it's soiled. You need to get used to that because that's, that's just the way it is. And you just need to come to peace and acceptance with your beauty being all kind of off and, and, and dirtied and, and sullied. You just need to accept it. You just need to accept it. Look, either way, either track you take, you are going to give up. You're either going to despair at your inability to fix yourself and put your beauty back together, or you are going to despair in your resignation that this is the best it's ever going to get and nothing can change. You're going to give up and you're going to take that masterpiece and you're going to toss it out and leave it behind. The gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is neither moralism nor relativism. It's not either one of these. The gospel of Jesus Christ is news of an event It is not an opportunity for you to try to fix yourself. It is not an opportunity for you to force yourself to accept everything the way it is. The gospel is news that Jesus has entered the masterpiece, that Jesus has come in to be the Savior, that Jesus has come to restore the beauty. 
And you don't have to find your way forward, find your way out. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be the one who fixes everything in your life. You don't have to save yourself. Jesus has come, and he has come, and he has entered the brokenness, and he has taken the stain on himself. And when he rose from the dead, and when he walked out of that grave, he walked out saying, look, in me, in me, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, your beauty is restored. Amen? Jesus is the image of God, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's character. When Jesus is restored, the image of God is restored in all humanity, all who would call in his name in faith. The gospel is not a how-to, an opportunity to fix yourself with moralistic carefulness. You can't. And the gospel is not a press to accept everything the way it is in your, your sullied and marred state. You can't. You can't fix it. You can't accept it. The gospel is that Jesus Christ has come to be your Savior and your Lord. He has come to restore it. It's not what you can do for him. It's what he has done for you. So, Mary turned toward Jesus. She realized, she realized, it's not a moralistic religious behavior pattern that I need. She realized, it's not, it's not an acceptance of how things are that I need. She realized, what I need is a savior. What I need is a Lord. What I need is, is Rabboni, my teacher, my Lord, my savior, my Jesus. I wanna ask you, have you turned to the Lord? Have you turned toward him? Would you turn toward him? How does someone become a child of God? How does someone become a Christian? Sometimes we talk about all this over and over again, you know, the Christian life and the Christian being a church and all that. We forget to sort of lay it on the line. How do you make that change? How do you, how do you go from, from Mary's I know what I know, woman, why are you crying, to Rabboni? How do you make that transition? Because it isn't just understanding, it isn't just thinking about it, and it isn't doing Christian stuff. You know, too often people say, What's it, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means acting like Jesus. Well, I mean, yeah, but not quite, and not at the core, and certainly not at the beginning. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to call out to the Lord and to hold on to him and let him be your guide, your teacher, your restorer, your Lord, your Savior. What does it mean? It means handing your life over to Jesus. When I was, uh, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was only 12 years old, you know? Anybody 12 years old in here? And you know, when you're 12 years old, it's not that much of a life to give, you know? It's like a little pencil sketch. 
you get older, there's all these details, there's all these other, other parts of the story, and it can get harder to hand the whole thing over. It gets harder, but it's not impossible. What it means to become a Christian is to hand your entire masterpiece over into the hands of Jesus. Say, I can't fix myself. I can't accept things the way they are. I trust you, Jesus. I want to ask you to pray along with me, you at home and and you here in the room, that that maybe this would be the first time that you open your heart to the Lord in prayer, trust Him with your life, try to. You can sit in church your whole life and never turn toward Him. You can face Jesus and never realize who He is. So I want to invite you to to take this moment to turn inside yourself and your heart and your soul to turn toward Jesus. I'll ask you to pray with me, after me, repeating after me, line by line. I'll offer the prayer. You can repeat with me, you at home. Pray as you will. Repeat after me, every head bowed. Let's, 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 let's open our hearts to the Lord and the work that he wants to do. And would you, would you follow along, repeat after me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot save myself. I cannot fix my masterpiece. I cannot accept my brokenness. I want to put my life in your hands. Today, I am yours. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give you mine. I trust and believe in your power to save. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.